0: For those of you who are visiting us for the first time today, or maybe haven't been here in a while, we are going through a series called Fish Stories and Flannel Boards. And we are traveling through the stories of the Bible at breakneck speed. So we are going to try to cover the entire Bible in 32 messages, give or take. Some of those will be two parters, but most of them will not be. And. 32 messages to get through the entire Bible. So we are hitting huge portions of Scripture um, at a time. In fact, today we're covering two books of the Bible. Really three, technically. The last part of Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So we are covering a lot of ground. We're covering 40 years worth of history here. Which is quite a bit, because we are looking at the story of the Israelites coming to the promised land and missing it. Alan Willett tells the story of the time that he and his daughter were visiting a college in Maine, and he said that after a nice trip, we had our GPS take us back to the car rental agency, except it just didn't seem like it was taking us the right way. It kept telling us to turn this way and that until we were thoroughly lost and in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, the GPS said, you have arrived at your destination. And then he says this, it had taken us right into the middle of a cemetery. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a little bit nerve wracking, a little bit off-putting? To hear the words, you have arrived at your destination and you are in a cemetery. Not exactly the destination that they were wanting to get to. Well, I know that I've had a few moments where my GPS took me somewhere I wasn't planning to go. Or the times when it tells you to turn when you know a better route. Or even when there's not even a road there. And so you hopefully catch it before you turn on to it, but we don't always, obviously. So you won't turn the way it tells you to or you go a different direction and you hear that grating word of if yours set to a voicemail, this woman telling you how to drive and what's that word? Recalculating, right? We've all heard it. Be quiet. Be quiet, Siri. Be, tw- be quiet, Garmin. Recalculating. Imagine 40 years worth of recalculating. Because that's what happened to the Israelites. Because they were unwilling to listen to the direction of the one who knew the way. Not just the one who knew the way, the one who is the way. Would you turn to Exodus chapter 6? Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 8. Now we're going to read this text together, but obviously we're looking at a lot of scripture today, or we're covering it as we, as we try to summarize, and that's why I show those videos. And, and yes, those are meant for kids' ministries, but I think they do a tremendous job of telling the story, of giving the summary, and it goes so well with what I'm trying to do with these fish stories or flannel boards and fish story sermon series because I want it to feel very much like we're a bunch of kids in a Sunday school class hearing these stories perhaps for the first time and the wonder and the awe that comes with them and also the sadness and heartbreak When God's people don't go God's way. Exodus chapter 6. And if you are willing and able, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Now, I tell you what, it has been a challenge to find texts to read with you throughout this sermon series. Because again, we're covering so much of Scripture in each sermon. And so it's hard for me to nail down a couple of verses to read that I think kind of either uh, get us off on the right foot or, or set the stage or summarize the story in some way. And today I've actually taken us quite a ways back in Exodus because I want you to hear what God tells His people from the very Beginning. This is God's word. This is God's promise to them. He tells them exactly where they're going to go, what he's going to do from the very outset. And so everything that happens after this is determined by whether they believe his word or not, right? Abraham, God said, go, I'll show you later where we're going, right? I'm going to take you to a place that I will show you or tell you later. So he had no idea where he was going. That was not the case for the Israelites. They knew exactly where God was taking them, exactly what he was going to give to them. And so everything that happens after this is not based on ignorance or lack of knowledge on their part. God has already told them. And so right now, after this point in Exodus chapter 6, what they do determines whether they say to God, you are right and true, or you're a liar. Exodus 6, verses 2 through 8. The Israelites are still in Egypt. Moses has come to Egypt to lead them out. And God tells Moses what to tell the Israelites so that they will know that God has sent Moses and so that they will know where God is going to take them, what he is going to do. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. But he has told Moses, right? The burning bush, Yahweh, the name of God. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Not on the Israelites, if they'll obey and trust him, but on the Egyptians. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, would you bless this, the reading and proclamation of your word, and would you allow me to speak faithfully? In fact, God, just get me out of the way, and would you now speak to us, your people? In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. I want to show you a couple of maps here. This first map is the map of... Canaan. So this is the promised land here in green. This is where God had pro- this is the land that God had promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all those years back. And now God is preparing to take his people out of Egypt who are slaves there now and take them to this land flowing with milk and honey, a prosperous land, a rich land, God's land for his people, God's land of promise and blessings. Now, I want to point out to you this right here. Can everybody see that? Kadesh Barnea. That's important in our story today. It sits right at the border going into the promised land. Okay, let's see the next slide. These are the travels of the Israelites out of Egypt down to the Red Sea, right? God brought them through the Red Sea to Mount Sinai where he gave them his law. It, it was about a two-month journey from Egypt down to Mount Sinai. They camped there for about a year. Remember, God met them at the mountain. God gave them his word, his covenant promises. They stayed there for about a year, and they, then they began their ascent up to Kadesh Barnea, the border of the Promised Land. And do you remember what happened there? We heard it in our story. Ten spies went into the Promised Land to check it out. They came back to. Caleb and Joshua gave a good report. It's just as God promised. Everything is there. It's for the taking. Let's go. But eight of the spies said, no way. There's no way we could take that. There are giants there. And and whether there were literally or figuratively giants there, basically what they were saying is they're big and we're small. They will crush us like bugs. There's no way we can take that. And so, they don't. And God says, because you didn't trust me, because you didn't believe that I would give you what I said I would give you, because you called me a liar, and you did not believe. Everyone 20 and older will wander in the wilderness until all of you are dead about 40 years later. In fact, actually a little less than 39 years later because they've already been in the wilderness for about a year And then I will give the next generation the promise that I have for you all. Or at least that I had for you all. Now I just want to point out two things in today's story. And again, we're looking at the big picture here. Two things that I want to point out to you from this historical event. The first thing being, God faithfully leads his people to blessings. Micah, don't quite switch this quite yet because I want you to look at where they wandered. Okay, you see the scale down here, right? This is about 100 miles. So, trip from Egypt down to Mount Sinai, about 200 miles. Took them about two months to get there. They stayed there for a year. The trip up to Kadesh Barnea. About 130 miles, something like that. And they got up there in in a few months. Now, look at the area. You see the arrows between where they kind of wandered around in the desert there? You see the two arrows that run parallel and go back and forth? That's basically where they wandered. In about 50 miles, back and forth, back and forth, around It took them two months to go 100 miles. They could have traveled that 50 miles in about a month, easily. And yet, for almost 40 years, they wandered around that small amount of area. Because God would not let them enter. That is the definition of futility. Futility of walking in circles, literally walking in circles and going nowhere. Now, the point I want to make is this is not God's fault. This is not God's doing. God faithfully led them exactly where he was going to take them. And so that's the first point. God faithfully leads his people to Blessings, and, and what I've tried to do here, because we are covering such a large expanse of history and of scripture, is I've tried to give several ways in which God led them to blessings. God led them through the Red Sea, right? God led them to Mount Sinai where he met with them. He gave them his word, his covenant, his promises, of course, as the video said, just a few days after they left, they were whining about water and food. God gave them water and food. God gave them his presence. He camped with them. He gave them, gave them a way to meet with him, a way to atone for their sins through the blood of lambs and goats. And then he brought them to the promised land, ready to give it to them, because God faithfully leads his people to blessings. Church, do you believe that today? That as God is leading you, he is leading you to blessings without exception, right? As he leads you, he's leading you to good because he is the giver of every good and perfect gift and he only knows how to give good. Even judgment is good in his economy. Because it is right and just. But here's the thing. God just doesn't give us what is just. He gives us mercy and grace. He gives us far beyond what we deserve. And if we would trust Him and follow Him, He is leading us to a promised land of blessings. This is not just for the Israelites, right? Everything in the Old Testament is foreshadowing what the New Testament covenant will look like. What Jesus is bringing. Jesus brought ultimate redemption. Jesus brought the ultimate presence of God. Jesus uh, Jesus came to, to take us to the ultimate promised land. His kingdom. And then eternally His heaven. God leads them to the border of the promised land. This is without failure or exception. That God faithfully leads His people to... Blessings. And when God leads, He is leading us to ultimate good. Yes, it might be momentarily difficult or inconvenient, but it always leads to eternal blessings. And it is faith and faith alone that allows us to see through the momentary trials to the eternal rewards. Church, I just want to set this foundation today. This is the foundation that when God leads, he is taking us to somewhere good, right? Do you believe that this morning? Because and, and we say we do, but we don't always believe that. Just like the Israelites, we complain, we groan, we doubt, we hesitate, right? God says, go here, and we're like, eh, I don't know, God. Th- that looks pretty rough over there. There's some, there's some obstacles. There's some hard times. That's going to cost me. I don't know, God. And God says to us, just like he says to them, don't you believe me? Don't you remember what I promised through Christ? I come to give you life and life abundantly, life eternal." If the sun sets you free, you are free. Indeed, all of these promises that we have in Christ Jesus. And God said, I am taking you somewhere good. And, and, and we talked several weeks ago about the journey, right? The journey is not always easy. It's, it's sometimes difficult. But the juice is worth the squeeze. The destination is always worth the journey. And the destination in Christ Jesus is very good. Oh, church, if we believe that our God was not a liar, then we would go with Him anywhere. Now, we don't consciously think God is a liar, but we often act like He is because we fail to follow, we hesitate, we outright turn the other way. But I'm here to tell you, wherever God is taking you, Ultimately, it is to blessings. Now, this brings us to the second thing that we see in the this, in this story today. Because God is faithfully leading, right? Without exception, God will always faithfully lead. He is showing us. He is pointing us. He is directing us to where he wants us to be. And where he wants us to be is exactly where we need to be. And, and I promise you in the end, we're going to look back and we're going to go, it's exactly where I want to be. God is always faithful. He's going to do just that. He is going to lead us, direct us, point us in the right direction. But here's the second thing we learned today we have a choice. We can either faithfully follow or faithlessly wonder. We can either faithfully follow or faithlessly wonder. Now, let me go back to these things that God did, because each time it feels like the Israelites just didn't get it. So God leads them out of Egypt, and, and, and just, just a few days after leaving, uh, Pharaoh is following them. I say a few days, it's, it's, been, it's been probably a few weeks few days after they leave, they're worried about water and food. God grants that. Before they even get to the Red Sea, they're already complaining after the ten plagues, after everything God has done. They get to the Red Sea, right? Body of water on this side, Pharaoh's army on this side. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Did you just bring us out here to, to dig our own graves, Right? Uh, Turn this way, turn this way. Oh, we ended up in a cemetery. Did you just bring us out here to dig our own graves? At least in Egypt, we had food and water and we weren't going to be killed. Immediately, at least. In fact, even before they left... In Exodus 5, chapter twenty and 20, or chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, it says the people met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So that there, that interchange between the people and Moses and Aaron prompts what I read today. The text that we looked at today in Exodus chapter 6, God says, go tell the people this, assure them. That I am with you and I am with them and I am leading you out. And this is all according to my purpose. And so Moses tells the people what God told him in Exodus chapter 6 verses 2 through 8. What I didn't do is read you their response in verse 9. Listen to their response in Exodus chapter 6 verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Even before they left, they doubted. Now, I I love how the Bible gives them the benefit of the doubt here. They were broken, right? They had been through some tough times. They had been pushed down, knocked down, broken down over and over and over. And because of their broken spirit and the harsh slavery, their crushed souls, they just didn't believe anything good could happen to them. And, and listen, some of you might be out there today and you believe that. Life has been so tough for you. And so many things have happened in your life that have come against you, that have crushed your spirit, that you do not believe that anything good could happen to you. And I'm here to just ask you today to believe that God is not a liar. To believe that he is faithful He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he wants to lead you to blessings. So before they cross the Red Sea, they grumble about water and food. Before they cross the Red Sea, they grumble that they're going to die. Pharaoh's going to kill them, but what does God do? He parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land, Then Pharaoh's army comes through. The water comes over them, and Pharaoh's army is obliterated. God leads them to Mount Sinai. He appears to them, right? He shakes the mountain. He sets it on fire. He gives them His word. It's not like they have question. It tells us. Last week we looked at this. They were terrified. They knew who was there. They knew who they were meeting, and they said, "Yes, we'll do everything He tells us." Well, Moses goes up on the mount for forty days for God to give him the law. And within those 40 days, they start, they build and start worshiping a golden calf, right? So already they are choosing to faithlessly wonder and not faithfully follow. Also that during that year while staying at the mountain, they complain about manna. They're bored with God's heavenly bread. And so God gives them quail and then they complain about that later. And then he leads them to the border of the promised land. On their way, the people complain about how hard it is for them. They doubt his ability to give them the land and overcome their enemies. Eight of the spies come back saying, It can't be done. They'll crush us like bugs. They just didn't get it, they couldn't quite get there to the faithfully following part. They just continue to wonder. We think of them wondering after they got to the promised land border and they failed to cross. In, and so they started wondering, but they were already wondering in their faithlessness. They're already turning from God and looking back to Egypt. And, and I wanted you to see this here because how often, and, and if you go back and you read the story, you'll read this over and over and over Why did you take us out of Egypt? Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? They say this to Moses. Why did you bring us out here, out of Egypt, to this place to starve, to die of thirst, to be killed by our enemies? Over and over and over. It's as as if they are wishing they could go back to Egypt. And so I've got them here facing the calf and Egypt, away from God's presence and blessings. Because over and over and over, they were looking back. It, here's the thing. It wasn't just that they were complaining. It wasn't just that they were doubting God, doubting God. The issue is that they were longing for and desiring what they had in Egypt more than what they had with God. Why didn't you leave us there, Moses? That was better than this. When we leave what we've known for the promised land of God's blessings, there will be unknowns that require us to see the situation with faith, okay? Again, it's not going to be easy. I'm not just saying it's going to be roses all the time, and as soon as we step out into faith, you know, dollar bills are just going to start raining out of the sky, right? That's not how it works. Although, eventually, food did just kind of land on the ground, right? Quails just kind of came out of the sky. That's, that's where birds come from. But it will require us to step into the unknown and to see the situation with faith. And how disrespectful and rebellious is it is to say to God, we prefer our enslavement to your freedom." We prefer our faded, imperfect, momentary pleasures to your eternal blessings. This corrupted world, which is what Israel repre- or what Egypt represents, is far better than you, God. Now, does that? kind of make your skin crawl? Does that make you feel weird? E- even saying that stuff out loud should make us feel kind of weird. Should, should make us go, ooh, don't, don't say that, pastor. God might strike us right now. And, and we should feel that way. But here's the thing. Just because we aren't saying those words verbatim doesn't mean we're not saying it. When we act like the Israelites did, when we hesitate, when we reject, when we turn away, when we fail to enter and follow God in faith. When we, grum, when we grumble and complain on the path of God's will. When we refuse to trust and accept his guidance. We are calling him liars and we are choosing to faithlessly wonder. Because here's the thing, faith, faith is the force that moves us over the border into God's blessings. Faith is the force that moves us over the border into God's blessings. They failed to cross the border into Canaan. I mean, it was right there. It was right there. I mean, they were at the the foot of it, right? They were on the line. It was right there for the taking. And they missed it. In February of 2018, I preached a sermon on the Israelites failing to enter the promised land. And the sermon was called Close Only Counts in Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, right? Right? Because just because they got close, it didn't count. And one of my points in that sermon was this point. That faith, faith is the force that moves us over the border into God's blessings. And I, and I just wanted to reiterate that today because I think that's so important. Because here's the thing. Sometimes the border is scary. Sometimes the border is exhausting. Sometimes the border is inconvenient or it doesn't fit with our plan, Right? And, and faith in Jesus is the only thing that will move us over and through those roadblocks as we cross the border into God's blessings. The, the path that according to Ephesians 2.10, God has already prepared for us. And so as we close today, I want to point out that the story of the Exodus is a metaphor for our salvation and our lives of service to Jesus the first question we have is, have you left the slavery of Egypt, i.e. your sinfulness? Because that's the slavery, right? Sin, this world, Satan, they hold us in slavery. And, and the only way to get out of that is through faith in Jesus. Because faith is the only way to enter into the promised land. It's, that's how it was for the Israelites and that's how it is for us. Now, in Numbers chapter 14, where we find them coming to the border and missing it, we have what I believe is one of the saddest stories in Scripture. Numbers chapter 14, verses 39 through 45. I think it's worth turning there if you want to turn there in your Bible or on your device. Numbers 14, 39 through 45. I'm not going to read this, but this is what happens. There, the Israelites realize their folly. And so they decide the next morning to trust God. Okay, God, we're sorry we messed up, but we're we're ready now. So the next day they get up, they go out, and they say, we're ready to go up and take Canaan. And Moses says, don't do it. God is not with you. He's already told you. You're not going. You missed it. It's too late. But they don't listen. They go up and they fight, and the Amalekites and the Canaanites destroy them. Now, they don't kill everybody, but they handedly defeat them easily and promptly. They tried to do it on their own, and they failed miserably. It was both pathetic and heartbreaking. My friends, faith in God is the only way. Specifically, faith in Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, a verse that I hope we all know by heart, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And then Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. It is only by faith. And for the Christian, this life is the wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land. And every step, every way we every day, every movement, every moment must be done by faith. And I think we need to ask ourselves: what are we doing with our time in the wilderness? The Promised Land is also a metaphor for our ministry in the here and now. Have you entered through faith into the fullness of all God wants to do in and through you, Billy Graham said, when, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. And I would add to that because I think he would say faith is such a big part of character. And so I would add to that, when faith is lost, your path is lost. Oh, Covenant Baptist Church, let us not stop short of all that God wants to give us and where he wants to to take us because close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades partial faith and partial obedience won't cut it if we want to take hold of all that God wants to give us in all the situations the Israelites came up against they had the choice of faithfully following or faithlessly wondering well they had the choice until they didn't right Because after rejecting God's invitation to enter into the promised land of his blessings for the umpteenth time, as they looked over the border into Canaan, all of a sudden the choice was no longer theirs. All of a sudden God said, you no longer have the choice to enter. All of you, 20 and older, you will die in the wilderness wandering around. You will no longer go anywhere else. And you will die without ever having received all that I had prepared for you. And so... Church, friends, while the choice is still yours, don't fail to enter into and take hold of all that God has prepared for you. Come to Jesus in faith for forgiveness and salvation. And then, oh brother or sister in Jesus, let us not fail to walk in faith each and every day as God leads us from glory to glory to glory to glory evermore into the promised land of His blessings again I say church close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades allow me to quote Billy Graham one more time he once said many people argue I do believe in Christ I believe in the church and I believe in the Bible isn't that enough no you must receive Christ I may go to the airport. I have a reservation. I have a ticket in my pocket. The plane is on the ramp. It is a big, powerful plane. I am certain that it will take me to my destination. They call the flight three times. I neglect to get on board. They close the door. The plane taxis down the runway and takes off. I am not on the plane. Why? I believed in the plane but i neglected to get on board. That's just it. You believe in God, Christ, the Bible, and the church, but you have neglected to actually receive him in your heart. Your belief has been an impersonal, speculative thing, and you have not entrusted yourself to him. And so today I say, Whether you've considered yourself a believer most of your life, but have teetered on the border of following and wondering. Or if you've never quite taken that first step of faith, won't you trust yourself to Jesus now, this day, while there is still time for you to enter? Do not wait. Don't hesitate. Don't look over and say, God, I'm not sure. I don't know that's too much. I don't know if I have what it takes. Because who knows if today is the day that God says, that's it. Your choice is over. You will wonder for the rest of time. Because there's a moment when this heart stops to beat. These lungs stop compressing and taking in breath. And our time, our choice, is over. Oh, what a sad and heartbreaking day that is when the choice is no longer yours. Today, right now, because you're in this space, because you're alive, you're breathing, your heart is beating, there's still time for you. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Enter today. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of the Exodus. Lord, in, in no way do I take pleasure in the many failures, the many faithless wonderings of the Israelites during that 40 years. But God, I am grateful for the example Of what it looks like to follow you and what it looks like to reject you. I'm grateful for the warning that when we follow you, when we go your direction, you lead us into blessings, into paths of righteousness. And when we fail to follow you, we wander in the desert. Dry, thirsty, hopeless, pointless, aimless where only death greets us ultimately. Oh, Father, may we not be a church that falters or fails to enter when we come to that border, when you show us the way. Might we be a church who says, show us the way, God, we will follow you no matter what. Lord, help me be that person today. Help us be those people today. And if there's one in here, Lord, who's never taken that first step of faith, oh, that today would be the day that you would prompt their heart to stop sitting and waiting, but to get up and go with you in faith. It will be the best decision they have ever made, and you will lead them to life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.